0: Welcome to the She Fills Forward podcast, brought to you by Her Branding Co., the leading educational platform teaching female founders how to market, brand, and grow their businesses. We're your hosts, Jess and Mari, co founders of Her Branding Co. Together, we have over 20 years of experience in marketing, branding, and entrepreneurship, and we know exactly what it feels like to take the leap having no idea how you'll come out on the other side. We believe that the pursuit of perfection is futile in entrepreneurship, and that failing forward is truly the best way to build a business. On the She Fails Forward podcast, we'll interview successful founders to explore the journey, trials, and tribulations they've overcome to building businesses that they love. Sit with us as we host live interviews, pull back the curtain, and dig into the nitty gritty of what it really takes to build a business and a brand that you can be proud of. Because even the most successful of business owners will admit that they're just figuring it out as they go. So without further ado, let's start the show. On today's episode, we have my dear friend, special guest, Gino Parati. Gino is the founder of Right Brain Journeys, and he was my former university professor at the University of Central Florida, which feels like Decades ago and I have worked with Gino in so many different capacities and he is really truly a gem on the for the her branding Co platform and for our founders. He's been a mentor for our community. He has taught many many sessions for us and he's just such a wealth of knowledge and so on today's episode we take the conversation a little bit different outside of marketing and branding specifics, and we talk more broadly about communication. And G-Note shares some communication theories with us, some some theories that he teaches at NYU, Baruch College, and other prestigious universities. And we really bring it back to this concept of identity, of what it really means to be an entrepreneur, what that means for you, how you self-identify within that journey of entrepreneurship, This concept of pace and how everyone is on a different journey to build their businesses and have different life goals with the companies they want to build. We talk about Mari and how she just recently quit her full-time job and how she's leaping into entrepreneurship full-time and what that means for her. So join us in this episode as we talk about self-discovery, identity, entrepreneurship, and everything in between. So today on the show, we have my dear friend of well over 10 years, Gino Perotti. Welcome to the show. Mari and I are so excited to have you. You are a light to our community. You've mentored for us. You've been there for me personally and professionally so many times over the years. I've slept on your couch several times. (laughs) So welcome to the She Fells Forward podcast.
1: Jess and Mari, thank you so much. I'm very proud of both of you, everything that you've created It's an honor to be part of the community, an honor to help, but also an honor to learn. So I appreciate the invitation. Thank you.
0: Yes, likewise. Well, we have a lot to talk about because, you know, everyone, our listeners know that. Our "She Fails Forward" podcast is all about failing forward, which we're totally going to talk about. You know, you—that's actually how you and I actually reconnected after I graduated. Yeah. We were connected on Facebook for years and years, and you saw the growth of my first agency. And I always adored you as a professor, but we definitely had that that um student professor relationship for the longest time and then you reached out to me after you know the launch of my first agency and then we started working together so i have seen you grow your company right brain journeys from the very first time you remember we had like that canvas oh, in I my do. office with like all the sticky notes <laughs>
1: sure,
0: yeah. and we were we were working through your value proposition and figuring out your customer and all that stuff and you you really have taken such a journey through That first meeting, and I really want to get into that. And I really want to get into things that you've learned along the way, things that you could tell Gino, you know, a few years ago. (laughs) But before we get there, I want to take this conversation to a broader topic of communication because communication is such a undervalued Mm -hmm. topic in life in general, in teams, in leadership, and in marketing. And, you know. I've read your bio in the the intro, so no need to do that. But I mean, you are a interpersonal communication expert. You're a well-published author, university lecturer at several prestigious institutions. I mean, you teach this stuff every single day. And I was just having a conversation with someone the other day, and she was talking about students um, on her team and how they all want to pursue marketing degrees. Actually, yesterday, Mara and I were just talking to someone about this, and I told her, I always tell a student never get a degree in marketing because the tactics that you'll learn in that degree are not going to be relevant 5 years 10 years from now. Get a communications degree. Get a journalist, you know, journalism degree or sociology or something like that. I just think and know that communications is just the the basis of running a business creating relationships just living life so i'm gonna open up that big broad topic to you and just kind of go with the flow and see where this conversation takes us today
1: thank you and i invite you as as the podcast host to redirect stop question at any moment as a lecturer you know me i can talk 75 minute lectures are no problem so (laughs) i'll try to be concise. Um, like you said, I'm an interpersonal communication expert and most people don't even know what that is. And I always tell my students, uh, raise your hand if communication is your major or minor, which is most of the people in the course. And, uh, the first thing I tell them is when the world hears that you've majored or minored in communication, they're going to only think two things. You're good at these two things. Guess what those two things are? Talking. Speaking <laughs> and writing. <laughs> yes. So yeah, a, that's part of your, your, uh, gift in your burden because mm-hmm. you're going to need to get good at those if you're going to carry that badge of honor it's part of your brand of having communication attached to your name but it's actually so much deeper than that and this is the piece that people don't really understand because they cut it down to that surface level communication is ultimately about relationship and we were chatting earlier and, and i don't remember where i heard this uh, but it, this is not my original idea but i took it because it really stuck with me communication is the work of relationship and uh, the in-between piece is that communication is the tool through which we relate and relating is how we build relationships something long-term not just transactional so when you take out the middle piece and you start with just communication and relationship at the other end of the spectrum communication really is about relationships so some of the deep stuff that we do in our field is study identity how do we get an idea of who we are and you both are help people with branding and marketing aspects so that's that's a very large global scale idea of identity but the more intimate one is we think well that's just me and the truth is no it's not part of who we are there is evidence that it's hardwired in our dna but there's a whole lot that is really dependent on where we live and where we've grown up the time periods in which we've lived and we think that we would be the same no matter you know if i was born 100 years ago in a different country and that's, that's simply not true. There's mm-hmm. plenty of evidence that says who we are is shaped by our environment. And, and anyone who's lived in multiple places, you know, even us, we're doing this from the United States. We've all lived in different cities from where we've grown up. Everyone can already understand that. When you move to a new location, you meet new people, you become a different version of yourself. Um, so it's connecting people to one another in relationship, but on the deepest level, it's connecting you to yourself mm-hmm. in a relationship.
0: So beautifully said. And I'm actually gonna kick it off to Mari here for a second because our listeners may or may not know from seeing us on our social channels on our newsletter that Mari just took the leap into entrepreneurship full-time and she's she's been here yep. but like now she's really here. She quit her full-time job and sold literally everything that she owns. Everything that she owns can fit in her car right now, which is which I think is just absolutely admirable to the nth degree. And right before we were were recording, we were talking about identity. And Mari, I'd love for you to share sort of, if you're open to sharing, like what that looks like for you. And the reason I bring that up is because so many of the founders who are on our platform really struggle with what does it mean to be an entrepreneur? What's my identity as a business owner? What does this mean for me if my business fails? What does this mean for me if I try something and it doesn't stick? I mean, there's so much about this identity piece. Um, and I know this is like super top of mind for you, Mari. So I'd love to hear your thoughts.
2: Yeah, definitely. And it all fits in my car until I sell, sell my car in two months. And right. Then- <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, I think identity has been something that I've been thinking about a lot lately because a lot of changes have been, happen- have been happening in my life. And you know, one of them is leaving my full time job. I was a higher education professional for nearly a decade. And that was a big part of who I was not, or who I am still. Um, Not necessarily, you know, you may transition into something new, but your identity doesn't leave you. It still is part of your, um, you know, everything that makes you and, and, and who you are and how you address your life moving forward. So I think realizing that, yes, that chapter may have closed, but I still take with me everything that I learned and all those years Um, have helped me transition in saying, like, okay, it doesn't mean that I'm no longer a higher education professional. It means that I'm not active in that field. Um, Same thing, you know, another piece that's changing for me is that, you know, my dog is at the end of his life right now. And I've, you know, seen myself as as a dog mom for 13 years. It's a big piece of, of my identity as well, and that's changing in the next couple of weeks or so, and um, understanding that that doesn't mean that I will you know, not be a dog mom again, right, but I'm just not at this point. Um, and I think what helps me in the process is what do I value, and I know that that's something that know talks about a lot and uh, teaches a lot, and right now uh, what I highly value is freedom autonomy. Um, And that is what I'm working towards. So even though those pieces are still part of me and have been part of my formation, I guess, um, they may not serve me at this time. And um, in the transition, what has also helped is the fact that, you know, you and I have been working together uh, for about 16 months now. It's not an immediate change, it was a gradual uh, change. I've, I've definitely, you know, we've gotten to the point that even though I didn't consider myself an entrepreneur 14 months ago, I do now, right? So it wasn't like a complete switch. Like, oh my gosh, I quit my job. I, I worked full-time for a university and now I am a full-time entrepreneur. What am I doing? It's, it's, it was definitely more gradual and that has been helpful to, to help me process as well.
1: Gino, that makes a
0: lot I, of sense, know I see your wheels turning. I'd love oh, yeah. to hear, love to hear your thoughts.
1: Makes a lot of sense. The gradual adjustment. There's something about I'm trying to remember the name. It's from persuasion studies. Um, ooh, I'm forgetting the name of the theory, but it's it's a sliding scale, and it's about latitude of acceptance and latitude of rejection, and we have an anchor point. So that's that's say like risk tolerance is the scale extremely risky and there are some people i mean that they seek risk they're thrill seekers and they risk everything and sometimes they win big and sometimes they lose big and that's where they live and then there's other people who are at the other end they take zero risks they will accept whatever they have and they are scared to lose it so that's it most of us are going to fall with our anchor point meaning like taking a pin and putting it along the sliding scale will be somewhere along this so maybe a four to an eight somewhere along that scale it's going to take something really extreme to move someone. If you're at an eight, to drop you down to a four, it's going to like to just do a quick drop. It's rare, but something drastic has to happen. For most of us, it's what you did. Slowly over time, we gradually move. We dip our toe in the water. This is a little bit safe. Let me go a little bit deeper. And then over, I think you said 18 months, you go from maybe being a four, not very risk tolerant, to being an eight, because you build your sense of mastery uh, being able to autonomy, being able to handle this. Uh, Several things I heard in there. One, you said being a higher ed professional. And then you said field. So I would point that out, that you will always be connected to that field as part of your history. But are you a higher ed professional? Meaning that's a role that we play. And that's something I've really had to think about in my own journey as an entrepreneur. I also prefer, I think I prefer the word business owner to entrepreneur because of all of the associations positive and negative i just like to think of myself as owning a business and i happen to be the only employee of that business um the i am an educator am i a teacher am i a lecturer am i a higher ed professional am i a learning and development person uh, trainer i've been all of those titles job titles so out of all the way how do i describe myself like a, with a title on linkedin for me i think teacher when you hear that you automatically think of the classroom So if I'm only branding myself for academics, then that's great. But since I'm also straddling the academic world and the business world, it doesn't feel quite right. So for me, educator felt like the best general title. And when I think about it, even when I was a manager of an Olympic training center in Orlando, I was still an educator in that role because at my core, that's who I am. Mm -hmm. I taught my employees with clear expectations. What was the responsibility of the job, what the customers were communicating and the resources that were available. And sometimes it was the negative side, which is the repercussions of your of your actions that weren't positive. So it was still a, a learning or teaching and learning role or an education role. Mm-hmm. I love when that. You think of that, you get beyond your field and all of a sudden it mm-hmm. expands the view of what can I do? Where can I go? What, what value goes back to value? What value do I offer to the world?
2: Yeah, that's such a good point. I mean, in all the different titles that I've held or even industries that I've been on, that I, I do always go back to the coaching, the education. I mean, I I was a group exercise instructor, a personal trainer. Um, I worked in the scrapbook industry teaching. And um, yeah, that's definitely something that I go back to often. And, and outside of the industry piece, that is part of who I am and part of my identity. And that doesn't go away because yeah. the title goes away.
1: Correct. Yeah, it doesn't. So even as as a dog mom, you may find yourself largely teaching in that role. Mm -hmm. uh, If that's what, or educating that, that core, the core need, it comes from the essence of who you are. And that's what I try to connect people to, because that's communicating from the inside out. When you know that about yourself and that's the place through which you navigate the world, it becomes very genuine, authentic. Um, I talk a lot about energy work. We're in physical body, so we get tired, but it's not exhausting. When you're operating from that core, you're not drained. You're just tired, and then you go to bed and you wake up, and you're, you know, ready to go again because you're ready to serve and move because you're doing the thing that is coming from the essence of your being.
0: I'd like to pull a theme that I see between the three of us, um, collectively and individual and individually, is this idea of pace. And I want to bring I want to bring this up because. I see this online all the time, right? If you're not making a million dollars by month seven, your business is shit and like (laughs) just pack it up and go home. And, you know, I think this is so dangerous for founders who founders, entrepreneurs, however the listeners, you know, want business owners, to your point, you know, however they want to self-identify. I personally love to self-identify as a mompreneur. It's just really part of my, my zeitgeist. And I know a lot of women don't like to associate with that. So I think the first thing, you know, that you brought up is that how we identify, how we see ourselves in our business and what that means for us is really interesting and important for us to pick that identifier that we feel really resonates with us because it mm-hmm. helps us show up in a certain way in our business. But then on top of that, this idea of pace, you know, with my first business, do you know the one that you and I first engaged with? I got fired from my corporate job on a Friday. I had no backup plan, no kids. I had no re- true responsibilities behind myself, mm-hmm. right? So I my, my appetite for risk was super high. I just jumped in both feet like... Sure. You know, it was a business Monday morning, had no idea what we were doing. We had no business running a business. Okay. My second business, I had clients much like your journey, Gino, where you're straddling sort of two worlds for a period of time, right? I did not want to bring the company into debt, which what happened the first time, I did not want to take unnecessary risk at that point. I was a mom of a new child, right? I was married. We just had different lives at that point yeah. for the second company, which is, you know, now her Branding Co. And, you know, Gino, your journey has been, what, at least three years to building oh. your business.
1: Yeah. Um, since 2017 is when you helped me rebrand for the New York market. The business was officially founded also from a place of need, which I think is an important thing to touch upon for a mm-hmm. moment in 2013. So e nine years. A but
0: long time.
1: Long time. Didn't really, I was playing around with it uh, similar to you right brain journeys was born out of the need uh, my university contract was ending they called me in on a uh february day so it's been it would be 2013 whatever nine years ago around this time they said we love you you knew when we hired you this was only a three-year contract we were hopeful that we would be able to find ways to renew the contract you know find funding unfortunately there is no funding so we love you, and uh, we think you should start writing, you know, applications, and we'll be happy to support you with letters of recommendation.
2: Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh
1: crap! You know, yeah, Godspeed.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: and it was bigger than a job because I've always had a great deal of confidence in my um, professional abilities. I've never, I've never been without a job unless I chose it. You know, sometimes I'll choose a, some strategic time off, but uh, usually I have work offers always available to me. So I had to stop and think. Ooh, why am I worried? And the real worried was I was feeling a little desperate because I was addicted to teaching. Meaning, I finally found this the thing that I love, and it seems to be taken away from me. And I don't want to go back to managing, and I don't want to do. I don't want to go back to banking. There, I've already done that. So I, I love this. So I created Right Brain Journeys to be able to offer opportunities to myself, and let this be a listen. Listen. Uh, let this be a lesson for the listeners. Of, uh, it's kind of the Eckhart Tolle when the stress that we feel often isn't in response to what's actually happening it's in anticipation of what could happen Mm -hmm. and if it never happens then you have created stress for nothing so in february they gave me that message you can understand how that was stress inducing but by may i was still employed the contract hadn't ended and one of my colleagues quit very unexpectedly and i was the ideal candidate so i actually Transitioned. I had to go through interviews because of public university. That's a whole separate conversation. So I had to go through interviews. <laughs> Mari knows all I about got, that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I did get the role. And that was a permanent, like that was, you know, until whenever I retire type of job. So it, I really was worrying unnecessarily during mm-hmm. that time. And uh, Right Brain Journeys still just like was a side business. But I never had the push at that time until I left and wanted to move to New York City that, It uh, had to really like think about who am I serving? What am I offering? Because I always had the full-time employment. But uh, you helped me 2017 to really rebrand for New York because, uh, sorry, listeners, I curse every now and then, but it was time to shit or get off the pot. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm paying licensing fees and several hundred dollars a year to keep this business going. What am I doing with it? If I'm not doing anything with it, no big deal. Just close it. But something deep inside of me said, you are in the land of growth and development, New York City, if you don't grow and evolve, you die here. Mm-hmm. So you have to give it a shot because the potential is too great. And that's uh, and so what we did. So been at it since 2013. Amazing. I mean, so- at it, but 2017 was the real growth.
0: So then talk to us a little bit about how has Right Brain Journeys, what are sort of the key pivotal, pivotal moments of, of growth and you know you could see it as a failure or a learning or something mm-hmm. that you could like i said you know if you were to write a letter to gino in 2013 what would you tell him what roadblocks would you tell him to foresee and to uh, prepare for
1: yeah I, i'm a very much a growth mindset person so i tend to frame these as lessons more than failures mm-hmm. um the first one would be who who or whom the english people correct me who are you serving i think that's correct whom are you serving? yeah whom whom are you serving? And I realized going back to 2013, when I said it was created out of desperation, I was losing an opportunity to do something that I loved, which was teach. So I was scrambling to try and create opportunities for myself. Looking back, it was I was doing right brain journeys for me, which is fine as a passion project, but as a business, whom are you serving was not clear. And an exercise that we did together, your um, persona, I believe it's called your client mm-hmm. persona, That was very helpful to get me from doing something that was pleasing to me. And I knew it helped other people. Let let me preface that. The reason I started Right Brain Journeys is I had been teaching full-time three years, about five years when you include the part-time work before that, and my reviews were outstanding from students, from faculty. I was clearly changing lives and not just a few, a lot. So I knew I had something of value. And then several students like you and I just kept in touch. I had so many former students coming at me in a good way. Hey, uh, can you give me advice on my first job interview? Can you look over my resume? And I loved doing this stuff, but after teaching for so many years, it was now like hundreds of people that I had taught. So on top of my full-time work, I'm getting all these people on the side asking for favors and it's becoming a job. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew I knew that's why I started a business was I knew that I also had something of value. But when i started it really it was in an energy of desperation so that i could do what i wanted with my life it was all about me 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 Mm -hmm.
0: um
1: and you when you're in business it's really about them 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 Mm -hmm. and how you are helping them so that would be the first piece of advice is get really clear about your motivation um i think it's quite common to start with the me 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 because it comes out of the passion i was just about to say that
0: most most of the best businesses come out of a I'm looking for something for me to solve a problem or to serve a need, right? Because then we self-identify with the problem so intimately, we can then hopefully really create a solution that really matters. So yes, Yes. most of the great businesses do start that way, but then you're so right, right? Like at some point we have to understand how we bring value to the customer Mm -hmm. and what that value looks like and feels like.
1: Yeah, Um, Mm -hmm. that, that would be the first major pivot if I had to look back into 2013. Uh, The second one that I would say is get into conversations and figure out your elevator pitch ASAP, whom, again, whom do you serve and what do you do in service of them. And even if it's a small group of people that you're serving at first, um, having it really clear so that you attract more of those people. And as we know you continue to pivot over the course of time so your product will continuously expand the people whom you serve will continuously expand because you're growing and expanding but uh, if you just do all these little side projects and you're not getting clear about what's the common thread or if you realize there is no common thread what are you doing you are you're you're doing side jobs you're handy you're a business handy person right that that's not really marketable so getting really clear about not just whom you want to serve but the people you're actually attracting now and what's the common thing like whether it's a problem that you solve or if it is the service that you're offering so that way you can promote it more would be the second one
0: yeah and so for you would be students right students who you impacted so deeply in the classroom students like myself who see you as a mentor see you as a leadership figure that can help them you know pursue their goals for the next chapter of their lives such a specific small but rich early market and you're a mentor for our lucy lab accelerator so you know you hear us talk about this all the time a lot of founders make the big mistake that they think they have to you know hit the biggest market out of the park right out the gate and the opposite is so true it is no start so small because in those so small niche markets Is where you learn what's working, what's not working, right? The we say this all the time um, here at Her Branding Co, which is the business that you end up building is not going to be the business that you started with. And Mari and I see that with our business, and that looks to be the trajectory in some ways of right brain journeys as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was for a long. I'll I'll pause there and pivot to that. Um, I was very hesitant for a long time to call myself a coach because in Orlando at the time. Uh, the people that i knew who had labeled themselves as life coaching they were a mess mm-hmm. and i'm thinking you you have no right coaching other people in the state that you're in you you don't just need a coach you need a therapist and you're coaching people so it, coaching felt so ah, to make, words matter so i need to pause for a moment it felt diluted is probably the the nicest but accurate way to say it yeah. like this is just not important this is not relevant this is not helpful You're Mm -hmm. taking people's money and giving them nothing of value Mm -hmm. so it took me a long time to really fall into realizing that what i'm doing is actually coaching and the insights that i give is coaching and to own it like to to really rebrand what it means to be a coach and uh and what type of coach it took me a long time i'm now falling on conscious communication and public speaking coach Mm -hmm. are the ones that i'm i'm using
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um but that that's again another that's another, we can go there if you want, but the power of language, what do you call yourself? And it goes yes. back to what I said with Mari, but there's the inside piece, what do I call myself? Because how is that impacting the way I think about myself? But then there's also the, the marketing piece. What do I call myself so that I'm attracting the type of people whom I can help and also can help me in return?
0: Yes, oh, i so rich.
1: I would love to pivot there if that's okay.
0: Okay, go for it, absolutely.
1: Reciprocity. It jumped out at me in 2020. Uh, I do a line of research called conversation analysis, which is instead of like doing um, surveys and counting numbers, I'm not a numbers person, I'm a language person. So I have conversations and multiple conversations. And then you listen for the data, which are the words that are in the stories that people are using. So for me, I really listened to, oh, that was an interesting word. Well, they used that phrase, that word five times to describe that. That's a very specific thing. So let me you know, formulate some questions, try to dig down why that word and not another. Um, so this idea of knowing what to call yourself to attract the people is um, is important because you are trying to relay to them the essence of what you're doing, right? So this is valuable to you, but create a reciprocal relationship. And I also found going back to the younger version of Gino, probably the most difficult thing is knowing how to price an abstract product. Mm. And then you have, uh, I mean, imposter syndrome. I think most of the listeners are going to know what that is. It's a very common term. Like, I just started. So, how c- I, I know this person on their website charges $2,000 for coaching. I can't charge. Um, and I would, I somewhat agree with that. If you are not delivering the value of a $2,000 coach, I don't think you should be charging that kind of money. So, it's now like a stepping stone. I want to be a $2,000 coach. Let me study this person. Maybe I will hire this person and I will, you know, they'll coach me. And I will learn what it is to deliver the value that allows you to become. So instead of focusing on who you are, focusing on identity of becoming. Mm-hmm. Who whom do you want to be, and then figure out the skill sets you need to get you to that price point.
0: It makes me think of like constantly shedding skin. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I was just talking to a girlfriend of mine who just had a baby, her second baby. And as you know, you know my little one, Remy, is about four months now at the time of recording this episode, and. It's just amazing to me how many times I feel like I've had to reshed skin multiple times with motherhood, with entrepreneurship, with just decades of life. Like, I saw something on Instagram the other day, no, on Facebook, and it was like, there's no one I identify less with than that post I made in 2008. And I was like, oh, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) That is me. Cringe. 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 Yeah. And, you know, I think to have those. I think if you are not having those moments you are not shedding and you are not growing and for self growth it's critically important and how everyone grows is different um but again especially with entrepreneurship and like this journey of being this business owner and creating this value that is i think we say there's no silver bullets but if there were a silver bullet i would put my hat in the ring to say that that is probably one of them is the entrepreneurs with business owners, founders, who are able and willing to reshed through the different stages of their business are the ones who are going to make it. Um, Because they're going to make it through the hard times, right? You have to be able to kind of ride this line of like staying true to your values, which I know we talked about before, Mari mentioned before, that's something that you speak on a lot, you know? Staying true to your values, really having a very clear mission of what you want to be doing with your business, but then also being able to sort of shape shift along the way. And that journey, that mental journey is so difficult. And I think that's one of the reasons that founders ultimately don't make it. It's not because, you know, they don't have the sexiest Instagram ad or whatever it is, or like they don't have a million podcast downloads. It's that, it's that journey.
2: Yeah that expectation of instant gratification too right Mm. so it's like no i'm told that i can get there in less than six months by this you know instagram you know person that's telling me i can do whatever they did to make it happen and Mm. we want to jump all those steps to get to that piece and then we we miss out on the journey we miss out on 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 the end goal
1: Yeah, you said it perfectly, Mari, and I'm I'm loving that because, I mean, the name of my company is Right Brain Journeys. So I I actually, I am not someone who is attracted to hacks or quick tricks or magic. Like any of those really flashy Instagram, I'm not buying from you. I'm not even following you. Get away from me because (laughs) I want the journey of the discovery. That's part of it. Getting from point A to the money in the bank is one goal it is not the only goal. There's a whole world of the learning of the journey. And don't take that from me, guide me through it. Uh, A quick example I'll give was um, a more experienced professor when I was working at University of Central Florida. She's amazing. And uh, she was talking about one of the students in her class was a know-it-all student. And we're like, always shoot up, answer the question, answer the question, Mm -hmm. answer the, always the one. And at some point she pulled the student aside and was like, listen, you were very bright and I, you know, I'm very proud that you know the answers and have so much to contribute, but please allow the space for the other students. Let them pause. Let them reflect. You are taking the learning journey away from them. Mm -hmm. We're in a collective environment. This is not your personal classroom. Mm -hmm. So pause and let them, let them have the journey. So that's what she's trying to do is be that Instagram. Well, I already know so just let me tell you, and that's only part of why we're here. It's not just about the answer. It's about developing the process to get to the answer.
2: So I love true. that you said, "Don't take it from me," because that's it's, we don't look at it that way. We 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 believe that it's a gift, right? Like skipping all of that is like amazing. Why Why wouldn't I want to skip it? But no, you are taking so much from me in the process. And then how am I going to continue to level up if I haven't gone through the process of doing that and getting yes. to that point myself? Mm-hmm. Yes,
1: yes, so yeah. True. That was very concisely said. Nice. <laughs>
0: Wonderful. Well, we're actually coming to time. Quick 30 minutes. Oh, I always, you know, we're going to have you back again and again and again and again. again. I would love that. So, (laughs) So, okay. I want to sort of work to close the show. I want to go back to something that you said at the very beginning, which was relationships. And this resonates for so many reasons because kind of speaking to the silver bullet, this idea, particularly from a marketing perspective, you know, it's, it's, um, a myth that if you have you know the perfect marketing vertical or if you could just get that one ad to turn on for you or whatever, right, your business would blow up and everything would be fine. And it makes me think of one of our very, very first fireside chats that we had with Abigail Pumphrey. She's the founder of Boss Project. I mean, they are a mm-hmm. multi-million dollar company and she's what they've done is am- they bootstrapped the whole thing from scratch. It's amazing what they've built. And she said in her fireside chat, you know, imagine a world where we were building businesses without Instagram, without social media. It's all based on relationships, all relationships. And I just really want to hammer on that because that is the basis of all good business, you know, relationships with your customers, relationships with your team, relationships with partners. Um, So I'd love to just maybe take you into nerd communication territory any (laughs) theories or philosophies you can share with us um, particularly for founders who are really struggling with like the tactical marketing pieces and they're overlooking the true value of creating relationships what would you say to founders who are in that space
1: i have two immediate ones and then i'll come back um This is for a future podcast. Uh, I think it would be really fascinating to talk about the stages of relationship development. It's more about like dating and friendships. And Mm -hmm. then there's actually steps in the decline of relationships, right? Because some relationships do end and not always negatively. Sometimes they were our best friend in high school and now they live on the other side of the world and we don't talk. So that would be a fascinating one. But uh, immediately to your question, the first one would be social comparison theory. And it's very normal and natural for us to compare ourselves to others. But it's not just everybody it's the people that we think are like us the group that we want to be admired by so on instagram for example i'm i'm in my 40s i'll be i'm 43 um so this is at the time of recording of course uh when i go on instagram and i see fitness and i see 20 year old guys with the most ripped perfect you know sculpted greek statue type of bodies it's beautiful i like looking at it but that's not me and that's never going to be me i'm 43 so i don't look at them with any aspirational goal because it's It's not aspirational but because they're not selling to a 43-year-old guy. They're selling to other 20-year-olds who want to be them. So it's a very specific group. Um, So you need to realize that it's normal to compare yourself. If you see your friends killing it and crushing it, I don't like those words either. That'll be a future podcast. (laughs) But uh, it's very normal if you see yourself as part of that group to want to emulate that part of success. So that's the first one is comparison is normal. Don't feel badly about it. Uh, you have to decide whether it is a healthy comparison for you and then how you can reframe and move out of it.
0: So that's relevant.
1: Correct. Mm -hmm. Correct. Uh, And do you want it? Or is it something society has taught that beautiful Mm -hmm. body? They work their asses off for it. So it is nice to have it, but it comes at a cost. Mm -hmm. Are you willing to take the cost? Mm -hmm. The second one is a funny name. Everyone always giggles when we say it, but I didn't name it. It's called social penetration theory. And yeah, never, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to and hold penetrate. back. <laughs> Release our inner child laugh. It's silly. <laughs> um, think of the onion. So what we're penetrating are the layers of the onion. And this goes for relationship building is that uh, on like basic networking, people you don't know, especially in a professional context, we stay on the outer layer of the onion, but we go around the whole layer. So we stay on surface level topics, but we cover like a zillion surface level topics. Mm. Then as the relationship gets closer, you no longer cover the whole onion. You go to a section of the onion, but you start penetrating the onion. You peel back the layers in that area. And uh, in the center, of course, is the core of the onion. That's your sacred space. So this is the place where you have your boundaries. And you know maybe it's only your parents, your siblings, your best friend, your lovers, your confidants that you let in there. But for some of us, it's no one. That's a space for me and for God, you know, whatever God I I worship and pray to that you get to decide and put boundaries around that sacred space. It's very important with social penetration theory that we understand the culture and the context, because if we try to penetrate too quickly, meaning manipulate this, I'm going to go really deep and talk about a personal thing because there is this other theory called self-disclosure that knows it. If I share this deep thing, it starts to create a connection to a point but if you go too deep too soon it's, it's oversharing and you know how awkward there was an episode of sex in the city where charlotte had just broken up with harry do you remember that one jess yes and she was oversharing and the ladies looking at her like you are insane and i'm gonna walk away from you and go over here <laughs> I feel that's like that's not appropriate
0: i feel like gina and i are always like oh that one that one time that miranda did this or that one time samantha did this so it's like the context of all of our conversations but like, to even take it even back to 2013, that was one thing, and p- perhaps this is yet again another episode. It sounds like we need to have you on the show like a gazillion times, which I'm not surprised. You actually showed a, um, a snippet from early Sex in the City of a scene between Carrie and Big, but yeah. without sound. Because yeah. you were showing yeah. how Carrie communicates nonverbally, which, again, oh, yeah. so important for even entrepreneurs as like we're communicating mm-hmm. nonverbally to investors, to partners, to customers. But oh, anyway, yeah. topic for another day. But yeah. Um, yeah, so go back to the onion. Sorry, I went on a uh, rant no, there.
1: Yeah, you get to this. <laughs> so don't overshare. So the theories basically you are saying you definitely it's sharing some personal stuff is how we develop relationships, Mm -hmm. uh, but you don't overshare too soon. Mm -hmm. And if the other person hasn't made you uncomfortable, uh, so like if they start talking about uh, their business and their failures and what's worked and hasn't worked and you just met them and you're like, oh, that's cool. Then that's your safe zone to say, if I feel like sharing back what my failures and successes were, then let's do this. And you'll probably build a relationship. But if that person's like, I just met you and you're already telling me like, woe is me, this is really uncomfortable then they've overshared and they have not made you feel safe to share back. And it's called self-disclosure, disclosed mm-hmm. at the same level. So the relationship hasn't hasn't worked. So when you're thinking about your social media, if you're doing it that post, the awkward thing is that it's an imagined audience or it's, it's not a real conversation because it's not real time. So you share something and you turn on some people who will comment, but you, everyone knows this. You turn off other people who will also make negative comments or you just lose them and they're stopped following.
0: Mm-hmm. So I feel like, This is a perfect segue to say, A, we're definitely going to have you back on the show. B, this is why you are such a valued mentor for our community because you're really teaching and exemplifying these values really tactically for the founders who go through our programs. And and C, this is why people, listeners need to get a hold of you and learn more about what you're doing so they can either hire you, work with you, do all the things with you. So, to close our show, Gino, can you tell our listeners sort of where they can find you? What's the best platform that you like to communicate on? And if anyone does want to potentially work with you or learn more about your services and what you do, um, how can they find that information?
1: Absolutely. The first place that I'm all over is LinkedIn. That is by far my preferred platform, and I'll just take a moment to talk about that journey. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. I greatly dislike Facebook on a personal level. Like if I didn't have a large extended karate family, I would probably delete my Facebook page forever. I just, I don't like it. I don't think it's delivering any value into my life. Mm -hmm. Instagram. I used to love until Facebook bought it and now they're Facebook fying it or Mm medifying it. And it's, (laughs) uh, people that are not even my friends are now showing up because of advertisements on my page. Uh, and I see a lot of, uh, from my perspective, and I think that's important, just values that I don't, align with being sold on Instagram. I see quick fixes being sold on Instagram. So I'm liking it less and less. I am on Instagram more for brand awareness, but uh, I will probably get off of there in the relatively near future. Adore LinkedIn. So that's where I'm gonna circle back to. Here's why I adore LinkedIn because yeah, I mean, ultimately the call is work with me, but really, really the call is learn with me. I want to teach you. So LinkedIn is a platform where people go to learn. Instagram, in my opinion, is a place where people go to be entertained. Mm-hmm. I am not an entertainer, though learning with me is quite fun, as you can hear. With I think S you with are that. quite entertaining after a few Thank cocktails. <laughs> yes, I <Yes, my> second <laughs> I teach a gender class, so yes, it can get quite interesting. Um, LinkedIn provides, a, it's a wonderful space where most people, not everyone, but most people run their best professional behavior mm-hmm. and show up with a willingness to deliver true value they're not just like look at me look at me they're, they're delivering something that's interesting they're teaching one another mm-hmm. um and i do linkedin lives so uh I, those are about twice a month and they're free learning sessions so if you connect with me you will have access to those and i do 20 minute quick sessions i'm all about the, the quick and the dirty I'm all about the the quick and the you know the concise what do you need to know what's valuable Um, And then if you want to, this is the work with me part. If you would like to go even deeper, which I invite you to do, I do several options. The deepest option would be one-on-one work. And I truly do customized coaching, meaning I work with you in the very beginning in the conversation, what's your goal? And then we'll decide, and I'm gonna tell you my honest opinion. I'm not gonna sell you 10 coaching packages if you don't need it. I do a minimum of three simply because this is transformation work Mm -hmm. and it takes time and repetition. It's like going to the gym and working with a trainer. You can't have one session and the trainer shows you what to do. You know, we got to build the muscle memory. So minimum of three, but I customize it to what you specifically want to work on. And sometimes people think it's about, oh, is it public speaking? Yes, that's one. But as I said earlier, communication is about relationship. So I've worked with clients about trying to figure out why one client, why he can't let go of this girl that he's dating, that he knows he doesn't see a future with, but every time they break up, he keeps coming back to her. So what's that about? Well, it's about identity, the kind of things that Mari and I, and you're projecting onto her some type of emotional need. So let me work with you to try and figure out what this is so you can clear that up and then be more strategic, be more Mm -hmm. conscious. That's why I call it conscious and make better choices Mm -hmm. to, so, you know, you can, attract a woman that you want to spend your life with Um, then i have two other options i do a public speaking course the cohort's currently enrolling it's a combination of modules but also live so i do that twice a year the next one will open in the fall and that is uh two things it is theory so this is the part that's different than than some other public speaking courses this is the type of stuff i taught at columbia university like this is the real deal kind of public speaking stuff You're going to get the nuanced social science understanding of why it's important to do this stuff. And then you're gonna get the live coaching so that when you speak, you, and I tell you, oh, that word was interesting. How about this one? Okay, I love that uh, with your tone of voice. Here's why, remember how we learned that theory? That's what you just did in your voice. Here are some nonverbals that I suggest you do with your hands. Mm -hmm. And then the final one is the values discovery exercise that Mari had referred to several times with the values work that I do. It's about connecting purpose to profession and i co-lead this course with another hbnc member uh, named caitlin and uh, we lead you through the the journey that so many entrepreneurs have of it's a passion project i love this i want to do work that i love and i i start you there embed it with your values and then we bring you up into a strategic action plan so that it doesn't just stay in a land of passion project but it becomes a business where you can generate income
0: yep beautiful all beautifully said Amazing. And I'm happy to announce that we're going to be taking parts of your um, public speaking course and picking secret modules out of it and putting it into our Lucy Lab Accelerator to help our founders with their pitches, which I'm I'm very excited about. So, Gino, thank you so much for coming on the show. You are wonderful. We are going to include all those links in the show notes. So we'll definitely make sure that we include all of that information. Um, And we're definitely going to have you back. And thank you for the conversation, as always.
1: It was amazing. The work you do is fantastic. And on a personal level, love you both. Thank so you. Thank you.
0: We hope you loved this episode. Here at Her Branding Co., we are deeply passionate about getting female founders access to the right marketing and branding education, tools, and resources that they need to build and grow their businesses. If you're interested in learning more about how Her Branding Co. can support you, check out our platform. You can think of us as the masterclass for female founders wanting to learn the ins and outs of branding and marketing. Our platform gives you access to a rich resource library of marketing courses, trainings, downloadable guides, workbooks, and other tactical, actionable resources that you can use in your business today. Platform members also receive exclusive access to monthly live mentoring sessions with incredible entrepreneurs who are dedicated to coaching you live. If you miss any of our trainings, everything is recorded and uploaded into your membership vault to access at any time. We add new trainings and courses monthly, and we're always on the lookout for the best marketing and branding resources to help you grow. We host live monthly masterclasses, which are free and completely open to anyone to attend. So head on over to our website, herbrandandco.com, and sign up for a free class. On our website, you'll also see information about the Lucy Lab, our eight-week application-based marketing accelerator program, as well as our Marketing Mastermind, a 12-week mastermind program that's dedicated to helping you create, launch, and hit your marketing and sales goals. Of course, you can follow us on Instagram at HerBrandingCo, and and you're always welcome to email us at hello at HerBrandingCo.com. To your success, this is Jess and Mari signing off, and we'll see you at the next episode.